live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. As always, you know him. He is the co-host extraordinaire. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of entertainment. There is so much going on in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more that we definitely don't want to waste any more time with an intro. we got to jump right in. But we're going to tell you, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. Check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section of the show. The T-Public Store sale going on this week. So if you want to get that ODPH swag, and I know you do, now is the perfect time to go shop. The links for the directory so you can find the podcast on your favorite platform. The classifieds. There is so much. I'm forgetting about it. And that's why I'm telling you. Find out for yourself. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. And remember, on social media, always use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the Entertainment Edition, we have to recap the latest in the Star Wars saga of Boba Fett. The book of Boba Fett. Yes. This show on Disney Plus has came out, and I will say it's more polarizing than I thought it would be with the fandom. Yeah. Uh, I understand why, because I think with a character as great as Boba is, with such a cult following, everybody has an interpretation of how this show is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Some people think it's really hitting its mark. Some people are like, eh, it's just there. But this show has been carving its own spot in the Star Wars mythos, obviously, with such an iconic character as Boba Fett, carving a new lineage for him has really been something fun to watch. Oh, yeah. You have to say that either way. Like, oh, yeah. The fact that we have a show explaining how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and where he's been all this time has definitely been a fun ride, to say the least. Because they didn't have to do this whole series, and they didn't have to explain you know, what happened to him after he got, you know, quote-unquote, eaten by the Sarlacc. I mean... We don't know Mace Windu's origin story, like where he came from or anything about it. We don't know anything about Yoda or his species. Like, literally, the species is known as Yoda's species. Yeah. So, like, it's in precedent for Star Wars and the powers that be to just not explain things and just not go into it and just kind of leave it up to fan interpretation. So they didn't have to do this, but the fact that they did has been awesome. I agree, too. And I think that one area that we really need to highlight is this show is not your typical Star Wars show. No. They've decided to take it into a crime drama-esque angle, Uh which we have not seen in the Star Wars mythos. Sure, we've always had Jedi vs. Empire, and that's been going on since the dawn of the franchise. But this show has really tried taking a lot from The Sopranos, in a sense, Uh and implementing it into the Star Wars universe. And And I I want to say Dune, too, as well. I'm getting a real Dune vibe. Yeah, I'll give you that. Like, I did not think that at first, but after after really, this after this episode, after this episode, yeah. And I don't know necessarily how I feel of it because I was not the biggest Dune fan. Sure, and I I shy not away from that at any stretch of the imagination. Not my cup of Java, but it was a drinkable cup. I'll just leave it at sure. that. Sure, but this show definitely has been borrowing some different elements, making their own niche in the Star Wars universe. 
It's definitely had a lot of fan reaction. So let's not waste any more time and jump right into the recap of the latest episode entitled Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. Mm -hmm. So we do give that spoiler warning. If you're new to the show, this is how it goes down. Pat and I deep dive into the shows. If you don't want to be spoiled, we tell you pause the episode right here. Jump back in when you're caught up because we like to go deep dive and we really like to break down everything going on, but we don't want to ruin this for anybody. That's why we have a 72-hour social media embargo from when the episode is released, so we don't ruin anything. We're not one of those sites. We don't want the clickbait. We want to have that interaction with you. So that being said, after the countdown, we're going live. So in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? I really dug the episode. You know, it, it's the show's ending up being well, after you get past the first episode, it's it's becoming what I expected it to be. You know, not so much a good guy versus bad guy type of thing as we're used to with Star Wars, the forces of good trying to stop the forces of evil. It's it's a crime drama. You know, it's it's a Star Wars version of Sopranos, like you said. You know, it, it's an old school mafia movie. You know, it's it's the Godfather in Star Wars. You know. It, it's everything I would have expected it to be, and it's living up to my expectations. It's really goddamn good. You sold me when I saw Danny Trejo on the screen. Uh-huh. I don't need much to give my stamp of approval. This worked. Holy cow. I freaked out. I was like, wait, Danny Trejo's on this? Yeah. And obviously with Robert Rodriguez, they've worked together in the past. Oh, yeah. I figured, okay, maybe we'll see him in, and sure enough, we got him in this episode. Playing a good role as well, because it was yeah. different than I thought we were going to see him in, but I was super excited about that this. Whole, that whole scene, and we'll get to it in a, in a bit. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Like, where do you go from here? But it works, because this episode, written by John Favreau, directed by Robert Rodriguez, yep. really hit the essence of the show. I think that now we're finally starting to pick up some steam. I know a lot of people have been very polarizing about it. Like, sure. And, you know, I understand it, but you have to take it for what it is. It's a crime drama. Yeah. They're not going to do everything in 60 minutes. No, yeah, and I think everyone's expecting him to be a bounty hunter and kicking ass, taking names, capturing guys, turning them in, and then, like, that's cool and all, and it works if you're, like, writing fan fiction or, you know, you're, you're a kid again playing with the action figures, but, like, in terms of a television show... Not that exciting. No, it's definitely not, but they did do some cool buildup, especially with the opening, too. Uh-huh. Because it's almost like a cold opening. Yeah. Boba's just sitting around on his throne, kind of thinking of what he's going to do now that he is running Jabba's Empire, and basically, how does he win over the people? Yeah. That is the question, because... He's getting some pushback, you know, for as well-known as he is, and for as famous or infamous, I guess, depending on how you look at it. You know, he is, he's getting a lot of pushback. Well, you have to think about it like this. When you see a star that has been out of the movies for a while. Sure. When you see a pro wrestler that hasn't been in the ring for quite some time. And then they magically come back. When you see a pro athlete, you know, retire and then unretire. Sure. It's almost like the public has moved on without him. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I don't think he's registering no. as he's contemplating why the people don't love him. And this makes perfect sense. I mean, Tamara Morrison has been reprised the role of Boba Fett, and you can really see that he has taken this role and really sunk his teeth into it. Oh, yeah. Because he's really just trying to portray that Boba is more than a bounty hunter. Like, he has this vision of what he wants to do as he feels he is the heir to Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire. 
and it's not meshing to what perception is the reality. He's probably, I would say, the second most versatile person in the Star Wars universe. First being uh, D. Bradley Baker, who mm. voiced he voiced like a thousand and one clones on the Clone Wars series. So I would say Tamora Morrison is probably the second most versatile person because he played Jango Fett in uh, Attack of the Clones episode two. Right. He played all of the clones in At- Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And it's so night and day different, his portrayal as Django and the clones to Boba Fett. It's amazing. Yeah, I have to fully agree about that. Because seeing how Boba is not handling the fall from grace in the public's eye, I mean, that's the only way you can really kind of describe it, is very telling. Because as he now is ascending to the throne and he is confronting someone in town Uh that is trying to get Boba's help, per se... It's a very interesting scene how this all plays out because Boba is on the throne. He's approached by a vendor who is complaining about a cyborg gang and what they're doing to his business and saying that, well, they're taking water and you got to do something about it, but the people don't respect you. So what is going to happen here? Mm -hmm. So Boba... Decides to investigate with Fennec Shan. So he's the smart, uh, you know, daimyo, the smart crime boss. He goes, all right, let's look into it. Well, I think that's a cool play, too, because he didn't get worked up, especially with how fractured his ego is here. Yeah. So he grabs, obviously, Fennec Shan, played by Ming-Na Wen, who is stealing the scenes here left and right when she's on screen. And they decide to go find out what is going on with this cyborg gang. When they go and meet up with the gang, they find out that not everything is what the vendor was saying. Mm Mm-hmm. That they're just doing what they have to do to survive. It's Tatooine. Uh, water on Tatooine is very sparse. Yes. It's hard to come by. It is very interesting to see how this is coming because you always think, well, Tatooine, well, we only saw the brief glimpse with Luke. And just yeah. now you have to really deep dive into this is not a picture-perfect planet. It's, no. It's one of the worst ones in the solar system. It's, it's the most backwater. universe, rather. Yeah, it's the most backwater planet in the, in the universe. And like I said, it is the most sparse of water in the planet planet in the in the galaxy because if you don't know luke's aunt and uncle were literally farming for moisture yes like that's literally what like they're the water is such an abundance and such a commodity that like you can make a living off of harvesting it Mm -hmm. and i thought what boba did here was very interesting yeah the resolution to this pad what did you think of this i thought it was brilliant he could have just as you know he ends up you know they the the owner the cart owner wants him to kill him like Mm -hmm. oh they stole from me you gotta you gotta write this wrong and he looks at it and goes, and it's almost like he's saying, what the hell did they do to me? They didn't do anything to me. Like, it's water. Like, uh, whatever, you know. I think it was brilliant, and I think it was smart on his part, just because Fennec is great. You know, she can get a lot done for you. And the Gamorrean guards are, are fine, but they're your, if we're talking like MMO, you know, video game terms, they're your tanks. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 not versatile. They're not quick. They can all, they're, they're there just to kind of bust through walls. You know, Fennec can't get it all done on their own. You know, you go think back to Return of the Jedi when you we saw Jabba's Palace for the first time. How many people were in that damn thing? Yeah. There ain't really nobody in there right now. So Boba needs all the help he can get just to kind of keep things under wraps. Because once he finally gets his teeth sunk into this and finally gets people realizing, hey, I'm in charge. And they go, uh, yes, sir, right away, sir. He's going to need some help. Yes, so he decides to hire the cyborg gang. Which pisses off the cart owner. Yeah, which the cart owner goes livid, and Boba basically says, deal with it. Yep. It's my turf now. I call the shots. Yep. Which is a smart play because, as we know, Boba has now become the marked man. 
he needs all the help he can get. So after this scene, he goes into his regeneration chamber. Which has got me concerned. He's in there a lot. Well, you have to think, with the amount of damage that was done to him physically being in the Sarlacc. And we don't know how long he was in there. Yeah. I mean, this was not exactly a couple minutes. No. This is a lengthy amount of time. He could be on a borrowed lifespan right now. Could be. That we know. because could be. I, Which, that's a great point that you point out, Pat, is... He has been in this pit or this regeneration chamber quite some time. Yeah, no, because that's the thing. As soon as I said it, I, I realized we don't know how long he was in the Sarlacc pit for, you know. And and you remember what C three PO translating from Java says that like you'll, you'll be slowly digested over a thousand years. Yeah, which is not the best way to go. No, it's definitely not. But for somebody who is relatively human in the DNA, so to speak, yeah. You have to figure being in that much acidic yeah. poison. And then from what from what we've seen on screen, not really getting any sort of medical treatment. Right. Sorry, it, sorry, Tuscan Raiders. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. And this is something that I think is going to play into the season as it goes on, is how damaged is Boba really? Yeah. But he's covering it up very well. But during these regeneration moments, he starts having those flashbacks to when he was found mm-hmm. outside of the Sarlacc. Yep. And he has this moment where he is relapsing about how his Tuscan tribe that found him was killed uh-huh. by who, Pat? Uh, it was a speeder bike gang. Yes. Known as the Pikes? Yeah, it's the Pikes uh, Crime Syndicate, uh, <laughs> uh, who is one of the many uh, galactic uh, crime organizations uh, that we have seen throughout Star Wars. I believe they made an appearance in uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. We have seen them in Clone Wars. Yes. So now this is very interesting to see how this is all going to play because they don't do these throwaway scenes, as I say, for nothing. Uh-huh. Like they don't foreshadowing. Yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing going on. So there's, like I say, I call them throwaway scenes, but they're really not. No, because they're ultimately leading to something else. Like the arrow esque flashbacks definitely are going to play a point. But once Boba is having these dreams, unfortunately, uh, he is woken away yeah. by this. And we get to see somebody that I guarantee you, if you weren't a fan before, you're a fan now. Uh huh. Pat, who decides to wake him up? Uh, that is the Wookiee bounty hunter, gladiator, whatever the hell he is. Uh, and I'm going to butcher the name, so I apologize. Uh, Kersantan. Yes. K R R S A N T A N. Uh, who is the uh, large Wookiee individual we saw in the last episode? That if you're a comic reader and you've read the Star Wars comics since Marvel took the, uh, the the titles back, you went oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, like I did. Yes, and what a way to make an entrance! Like doesn't we... just tap on the glass, doesn't just oh you know open it up and wake him up, rips him out of the damn thing, rips him out of the thing. Boba's army or lack thereof decides to come try fighting him. So you yeah. have the cyborg gang. Let's say the the uh, Gamorrean guards come in at one point, and you know the Wookiee bites the one of them in the shoulder like a vampire or some shit. Yeah, yo, Christian is just wiping the floor with them. Like he's a Wookiee. There's a reason Han. Yeah. There's a reason Han in the original movie told three PO not to piss off a Wookiee. And when three PO went, why? No one's ever got you know gotten upset about a, a droid losing a game. And he goes, yeah, but Wookies have been known to rip people's arms out of their sockets. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see how this all shapes up. But you get to really see the threat going on here, and this is where the stakes are now getting high because obviously he did not just show up on his own. No. He decided to come in with a purpose. Somebody got him and definitely said, okay, you have one mission. 
take out Boba Fett. Well, and it's not like he had to spend all day looking for him. I mean, he has been hired, contracted, whatever, by the Hut twins. Mm. You know, who are, I presume, in some relation to Jabba, you know. They have to be. Cousins, sibling, what, like whatever. They're related to Jabba in some place. Jabba was never exactly subtle about where he lived. You know, I'm sure it was well known where he lived. So it's just like, oh, yeah, Boba's claiming ownership. Ten bucks says he's over at Jabba's palace. Yes. <laughs> Open the front door. But after they decide to, you know, pull their resources together, so to speak, amongst the group, they do find a way to trap him underneath the yep. throne, yep. which is the only way to stop him because he was basically going through like Wolverine on Berserker Rage, uh-huh. wiping out everybody. Yeah. So once they get him out of the equation, the Hut twins, I guess as they're being known as, yep. show up. This was the weirdest plot twist I've ever seen in Star Wars. Break it down for us. So... Uh, what is it? Boba and the crew are there hanging out. They find out that the Hut twins are there and they want to talk. And he, Boba's like, I have nothing I want to say to them. Like, uh, he basically wants to kill them because they tried to kill him. And so he thinks. So he thinks. You know, so they go. But uh, then Boba's told, well, they have a gift for you. And at that point, I'm like, gift? What the fuck? And so he goes to the front door. He and Fennec armor up, put their helmets on, go to the front door. Door opens up, and immediately you see the Hut twins on their little floating cart slab thing, whatever the hell that is. And then off to the left, we see sitting there, and I went, oh shit, is that? And it was. It's a goddamn Rancor. Yeah. They brought a fucking Rancor. Uh, And they start talking to uh, Boba, and they say, hey, listen... He, he go Boba brings out uh, the Wookiee, and he goes, hey, listen, I, I think I found something of yours. And like, hey, listen, total misunderstanding on our part. Here's a gift as an apology. The, the live rancor that I think they said is relatively young, you know, the live rancor for you. Because, hey, that uh, palace is missing a rancor right now, so they need one. You know, um, but then they go, hey, listen is what it is we're gonna we're gonna rescind our claim to the thing uh the it turns out the area's been or the planet's been sold to another uh syndicate yeah so it's a weird kind of exchange here that can only be described as a crime deal gone wrong uh-huh because boba offers up christian to go back to the huts yep. the huts say we don't want him send him back to the gladiators if you want and he just releases him yeah he so he lets him go so there's kind of like a weird Honor amongst thieves moment uh-huh, uh-huh. that they're all just like, okay, yeah, I, I I owe you one. I'll get you later. Yeah, he takes off. The huts give the fair warning, like you touched upon, yeah. that well, you don't really have call to the planet, but we're getting out of here. So when they're leaving, obviously the temp in the room changes. Yeah, and and it should be noted if a hut is leaving, you ought to pay attention and figure out why the fuck they're leaving. Yes, because they don't leave. They don't give up anything crime related for just anything. Mm-hmm. But they do leave the Rancor with the trainer, and the trainer is the one and only Danny Trejo. God damn it. And this whole scene where Boba is now uh, bonding yeah. with the Rancor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a whole scene. You know, they, they put him in the pit. He's still not woken up. They take off the collar or whatever it is. It's keeping him asleep, so he wakes up. And Danny Trejo's like, oh, listen, the first human it sets eyes on, it bonds to for life. And the Rancor opens his, he goes, here, stand here. You know, the Rancor opens its eyes and it's almost like a baby bird, mama type, you know, type of thing you'd see in a cartoon. 
you know, and then Treo starts telling him about how they can be trained and how this one's bred from two killers, and he's just going on and on. Like, he's overselling Boba on the Rancor when Boba, having worked for Jabba for a number of years, knows how a Rancor works and doesn't need to be sold on it anymore. Uh, but then he finds out that the Night Sisters of Dathomir used to ride. The, if if the Rancor was trained well enough, you could ride one much in the way the Dathomir, the Night Sisters of Dathomir used to. And Boba just looks at him and goes, "I want to ride a Rancor." Yeah, and he's like, "Wait, what?" He, he's like, "I want to ride a Rancor. That'll take a lot of time and, and training to do it." And I'm thinking, "Listen, do you think he cares?" Everyone's complaining about him not riding into Mos Espa on a slab like the Huts used to. Can you imagine him walking into the town on a Rancor? I'm not going to lie. I had visions of him going, never-ending story. Oh, Jesus. I, I just did. I was like, oh, my God. What is happening here? But it was a it was a cool moment. It's quirky. Oh, it's quirky, and it's, I hope it happens by the end of the season. Oh, it's going to happen, and I guarantee you that meme is coming out. You're welcome, ODPH Society. So after Boba gets done bonding, he decides to go into town to Mos Espa and go confront the mayor. Uh-huh. And obviously, he's getting some pushback. Yep. Which Fennec is not having any of this. Well, yeah, because I think he, he uses his, like, secretary droid to try, which I think might be the droid that was... From the train. From Well, it's the droid from the train. It's the droid from the train. I also thought it might be the droid from Return of the Jedi. Uh, where, Ooh, maybe. Where, it could look like the one that uh, Jabba sends R2 and 3PO to after they get, like, donated to Jabba temporarily. It, it looked like that one. You know me. what, come to think of it, yeah, I think you're right, Pat, so I'm wrong on that one. Yeah, so uh, they try to set up a meeting with the mayor because, hey, you've come to find out, it's been, you know, the planet's been sold to another crime syndicate. The mayor must be involved. You know, and the and the droid's been speaking to the mayor's office. He's like, oh, the mayor doesn't have an opening for three weeks. And they go back and forth. He's like, all right, you know, why don't we go see the, why don't we go see the mayor and see what we can do? You know, so they get to the mayor's office and the, and again, the secretary shits his pants because he goes, ah, oh, fuck this guy again. You know, and he, listen, can't, listen, I'm sorry. He's booked solid for three weeks. And Bo like really makes a point like, no, we need to see him. And the mayor goes, oh, you know what? Why don't we move things around and uh, push back some of the non-time essential meetings and, and move you up a little bit? Yeah. So Boba goes kicking in the door. They can't find anybody. Yeah. Uh-huh. And obviously they see the mayor's. Uh, so a speeder bus of y- some sort. Yeah. Taken off there. Yeah. And he unleashes the cyber gang on him. Which was cool to see. It was a cool action sequence. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely something interesting to see how this all shapes up because we did get that little fun yeah. moments in the show. Like yeah. it, like I said, it wasn't so serious because when you see the cyborg gang going chasing after the Madridoma, I believe, yeah. is the official term, Yeah, uh, you you get these really cool moments. They're going flying through Tatooine until they finally you know get them. And basically, it's now fessed up after he's caught uh-huh. that the mayor is working for who, Pat? The Pike Syndicate. Yeah, so everything is now coming full circle, so to speak. So uh-huh. now Boba appears to know who his threat is. Uh-huh. He does get tipped off by one of his uh, people. Henchmen. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Like I, I'm trying to think of, like, of, of a fandom name for him yet, but I don't have anything yet. But he does get tipped off that the Pikes are now coming to Mos Espa. Well, you got to figure there's there's one spaceport in and out of Mos Espa, you know they're coming. They're going to be coming at some point. They're not exactly going to sneak in on some small freighter. They're going to they're gonna want to make a, their presence known and, and make make it known that, the, hey, we're here and we're in charge. Yeah. And so now Boba basically says, we're going to war. Uh-huh. What a way to end the show. So good. Definitely hit a lot of marks. I would say this one was probably the most entertaining yeah. we've had. Yeah. Because the moments that we had with Boba and the Rancor, 
were hysterical. Oh, yeah. The cyber gang chasing after the mayor's henchmen there. Yeah. That's what I call them. I uh, was a fun scene. I mean, it, it reminds you of like those little moments in Star Wars where, I mean, obviously the situations are so heavy at times. Oh, yeah. That it's just those little Disney-esque moments that they throw in there that really remind you of how much fun this franchise can be. Oh, yeah. Like for all the, the talking and the politics or whatever from the prequels, you do get some chase sequences. You do get some action sequences that kind of like break the break the uh, tempo, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Definitely did a good chance with that. So, final thoughts on this episode, Pat? Uh, great episode. Probably, I would say, the best one thus far. And, man, oh, man, they I feel like they're setting up for something big, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Especially for being such a short series. Yeah. And we have to remember, it's only six episodes. They're definitely trying to cram a lot in now, which I'm not mad about. And I think that they realize that we have to get going on whatever we're going to do here. If they're going to go completely mob gang war here yeah with all the different characters now coming into Tatooine they gotta go really turn up the tempo and I think that this was the first sign that we really saw they're doing it that they gave enough time to Boba's background that we now know what has happened yeah why he is acting the way he is yeah because I don't think we'll see much more in the terms I don't think we're gonna be like Arrow and see like 10 years of flashbacks you know but I think we've pretty much seen everything that has happened with Boba's backstory. Because, like, okay, what else are you going to show after the, the, he goes back to the village that adopted him and it's blown to smithereens? Like, there's not much else. No, there isn't. It's just basically you now know why he has so much anger towards the Pikes for killing the tribe that found him. And then whoever took out the Pikes there. Because they were jumping around with the flashback sequences. Yeah, yeah. So I think we'll see more about that in the next episode. But we really decided to hit the gas pedal with this one. And like I say, we have to take it in context for what it is. It's not a space odyssey. It's a crime drama. Not everything is done in 60 minutes. They are trying to do the slow burn, which I'm not mad about. No. It's a good change of pace from what we've seen in Star Wars, and I think that that's where you get a lot of pushback from. I'm happy to see what they're doing. I think the show is finally starting to hit its groove, and with three episodes left, I have high hopes of what we're going to see out of this Disney Plus hit. So that all being said, we give you our takes. Now we want to hear yours. Hit us up on that hashtag. ODPH pod. What is your thoughts about Boba Fett chapter three, the streets of Mos Espa? Remember no social media posts for 72 hours. So we'll definitely start taking them on Saturday as you hear this podcast. But until the meantime, definitely hit us up, give us those spoiler free takes. And then we're going to be deep diving into it all weekend long. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, the Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it has been way too long. Yeah, it has. Since we have talked about the best show on the CW. Uh-huh. Because it's been a while. They took season one. They ran very far with it. And finally, we have now been graced with season two. 
Pad, what show am I talking about? Superman and Lois. Right on. The DC franchise character is back on the small screen in a whole new take. Tyler Hoechlin is playing Clark Kent. Elizabeth Tulek is playing Lois Lane. Jordan Elsess is playing Jonathan Kent. Alex Garfin is playing Jordan Kent. And now they're live of being the super family of the DC television universe is turned upside down as they move to Smallville and adjust to the craziness that is going on there. I just looked it up. It has been almost exactly six months since the last episode. The last episode was August 17th of last year. I believe it. So, yeah, all, all it's about a week shy of six months exactly. And they came back after a stellar first season. If you have not checked out season one of Superman and Lois, definitely do yourself a favor. It is one of the best seasons of superhero television you're going to see. Oh, absolutely. They decide to remind everybody who might have been dismayed by the Zack Snyder version. And listen, there are people that are fans of it, and you can like both versions. I want to stress that now. But for anybody that might have been too turned off by the more grittier version of Clark Kent that you've seen there. Or just DC movies in general lately. Yeah. They reminded everybody why Superman is Superman. That is one that he is one of the most iconic characters of all of comic fandom of pop culture. They did it within the first fifteen minutes of episode one. Yeah, they did, and you can find all of season one on HBO Max. Well said, Pad. And where this season went was all over the place. Where we went from the small problems of taking the big city family into Smallville, and then having the revelation of revelations come at him, where Morgan Edge, who we all thought was the Lex Luger. Lex Luger, that'd be a hell of a crossover. I don't know! <laughs> but I do know that Lex Luthor wannabe that Morgan Edge was supposed to be was definitely not. No. And there was a great twist if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to ruin it here. I recommend you go watch it for yourself. But trust me, it's wide open what has happened on this show. And they ended with a big cliffhanger as well because we had a visitor come and crash to this reality. Mm-hmm. This is what goes on in the show, and you think, well, them being in Smallville, we wouldn't see all this kind of really over-the-top drama and sci-fi epicness? Oh, 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 you are wrong. You are sadly mistaken. So that all said, it's been six months since we last saw him on screen. We finally get the return. We are doing the countdown because we have to deep dive into the premiere episode. So that being said, you know the deal by now. In three... Two, one. Pad, what did you think about season two, season premiere of Superman and Lois? Solid uh, start to the season. Wasn't like a home run, smash it out of the park, but I'd say it's a, it's a head first slide into third base. Uh, you know, definitely leaves a lot of room for some exciting stuff for the rest of the season, though. I have to agree with you. I didn't think this was a home run. I thought it was great. I did enjoy it. But I thought that they had so many moving parts and where they were focusing on, I thought, didn't need that much time. But I understand it was the season premiere. They want to really yeah. ca- recap everything. Because technically, it's been a, a different amount of time since they dealt with Morgan Edge and the threat there. Yep. And then obviously, the visitor that we saw crash land into our timeline at the end of season one was Natalie Irons, who's uh-huh. played by Taylor Book. Yep. And she is the daughter of John Henry Irons of that reality played by Wally Park. Yep. Uh, so when we see that that relationship is now rekindled on this earth, it definitely brings up a lot of drama because technically, who is her mother? Uh, Lois Lane. Right. From the alternate timeline, we'll just call it the Injustice timeline. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I'll be honest, up until she showed up, I just kind of presumed they were all dead. 
Yeah, I did too. You know, because he never made mention of it. He never mentioned, you know, I figured his his world was like a barren wasteland, you know, where ain't nothing, you know, almost like a, a Mad Max type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just kind of figured his entire family was dead. So when she showed up at the end of season one, I was like, yo, okay. It was definitely a curveball I was not expecting because they'd really touched upon that John Henry Iron's family was dead from that timeline. Yeah, that's that's kind of the impression they gave. Yeah, because he came into this universe hellbent and high water, content on killing Superman. Yeah. And was trying to for most of the season until cooler heads prevailed, so to speak, and Morgan Edge decided to really drive the point home that, well, he might have been responsible for yeah. Superman going crazy in your yeah. timeline. But they don't have a lot of time to dive into that, per se, because nope. once you have the awkward family reunion, yeah. there's a lot of questions that need to get answered. And Natalie is sitting there looking at her she dead t- She mother. takes it beautifully. Yeah. Handles it as any child would. Oh, hi, Mom. And moves, just moves about her day. Yeah. Ah, just kidding. No, she is just sitting there going, like, what is going on? Yeah. I can't handle this right now. There was, there was no prep video for this uh, given to her before she left. No, no, definitely not. So as... The Irons family is trying to deal with what's going on. Superman is called away, and he's trying to make a save on a submarine. Uh huh. Now, at this point, I got to say, special effects game going on here Yo. was on point. Yo. Like, at this, anytime you see one of these shows, you would like to see things improve and see them get better. Special effects being one of them, because when it comes to a show like this, ain't Law and Order. You know, this ain't, you know, Chicago Matter or one of those, like, based in reality shows where, like, you just need the blood to look realistic. You just need the the uh, you know the gunshot to look realistic, and you're good. No, you need like if if they're flying through space or flying through the air or over the ocean in this instance, you need it to look pretty goddamn convincing. And I gotta say that was one of the hallmarks of season one was it looked so different from any of the other minus Star Girl because that's a whole other you know ball of wax. That was HBO Max, uh, you know. It looks so different than any of the Arrow, because it's tied into the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. It looks so different than from any of the other Arrowverse shows, and it looked so good and, and so high budget that we get to this sequence where Superman hears, uh, like you mentioned, Superman hears about the, the submarine, and he goes off to save it, and he's just kind of hovering or flying over the ocean trying to locate it, and I'm looking like, they stepped up the special effects for this for this season. Oh, absolutely. No, they definitely spent the time to really drive that big fight feel yeah. to the show. Which, I mean, they did a great job last season. Oh, yeah. But it almost became a predictable formula. Like so, sure. like the Netflix shows for Marvel in the hallway. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you knew you are getting one each episode, and here we are. But this one, they definitely wanted to establish all, a big movie feel to it. And I, lo- and I love that about it. And as Superman, Superman goes and makes the save... He is having kind of some head issues, too, that they kind of tease a little bit of what's going on. They don't really dive into, but he pulls it together to save the submarine. Albeit, though, it is not going the way that it should be going. No. Because he makes the save, but he still has to answer to the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know that his father-in-law is no longer... Yeah, he's the, uh, retired. Yeah, he's no longer the head person he goes and talks to. Yep. He has a new uh, liaison? Figure, figure, yeah, figurehead to answer to, and that is Lieutenant Anderson, played by Ian Bowen. I already hate this guy. For, I saw him on screen. The dude hadn't even said two words, and I already hated the guy. 
Yeah, he definitely gives you those vibes. Uh huh. Which is great. He's got like, and it's it's great in his portrayal. Nothing against the yeah. actor. Nothing against the actor, but just the instant Superman showed up at the office or whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. and he was on the phone. And he goes, "Oh no, yeah, he's just yeah, no, he's talking." I'm like, "You're already a douchebag." Yes, because what he's complaining about is like, "Well, did you know what submarine you saved? It was from North Korea, and you gave it back to them, and it had nuclear weapons on it. What are you doing?" And Superman is trying to point out to him that I work for the people of Earth. Yeah, you know, listen, it's I. Uh, he goes because uh, the lieutenant, you know, goes, "Oh no, listen, you need to protect American interests first. And he, uh, Superman, counters, and you saw this in the trailer. If you saw the trailer before the season, I promised myself to the world a long time before I promised myself to America. Yes. So what I feel is early out the gate, we're going to have the battle of. Is it truth, justice in the American way versus truth, justice, and a better tomorrow? Uh-huh. And I think that that's going to be a very cool storyline to shake out because yeah. Superman is so used to working with his father-in-law that, well, working with somebody else that has got such a slanted view of, of the world yeah. is definitely going to cause some friction. And this is going to be something that kind of haunts him throughout the rest of the season. So I did like the subtle tease they did here. And I got to wonder how much of this type of thought process and just kind of agenda his father-in-law held back for so many years that like because general lane if i remember correctly in the show was like a four-star general Mm -hmm. you know so he is the top dog when it came to that whole division i wonder how much of this he was holding back just by being there in place and that now that he's out out of there you know the floodgates have literally opened yeah so it's it's a very interesting play that they're doing here meanwhile at the rest of smallville Life appears to be normal as, normal, as normal as it can be in Smallville. Right. You see that Lana Lang and Kyle, her husband, are kind of in a very weird place because Lana is now working for a mayoral candidate. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what is going on there, but obviously due to the fallout of what happened with Morgan Edge, that town is pretty divided on how they feel. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not real friendly between two opposing viewpoints there. Right. And they also have to deal with their daughter, Sarah, coming back yep. from summer camp. And there's something not right going on there. Yeah, she from the outset where she shows up and they they meet up with her. Oh, how was camp? Oh, it was good. A little, little different being a counselor. But no, it was good. Like, not telling them about anything that happened or any crazy antics the kids might have gotten into. It was just like, oh, no, it was fine. Yes. So they do spend a lot of time trying to establish that something's not right with Sarah. And the relationship between her and Jordan is so... Strained? Yeah. Like, they spent a lot of time... Like, I understand if they want to establish that, sure. But to me, it felt like they took too much time Yeah, this well, episode. Yeah, and I and I wonder if they can't help but if they're not doing, like, that thing when your kids are like, is this a actual romance between the two, or is this just a childhood fling where you're really good friends? Yeah, so... That's something that I thought was a flaw for this episode. Sure. I really like I said, I understand the drama they want to do and listen, it's it, it's okay. I get it cuz it's teenagers. You have yeah. a lot to deal with. Yeah. We finally saw that Jordan was finally getting some storyline here too. Yeah. Uh or I mean Jonathan rather cuz Jordan's been getting so much on the screen cuz Jonathan has a little moment with his girlfriend. Yep. And mom who is stressed out to begin with. Yeah. Uh kind of walks in on it. Yeah, they're they're in the middle of getting ready to have uh, you know the bump chicka wow wow. Yep, and that goes completely as awkward getting as you would think. Do, getting ready to do the dirty. Yes, and when 
Lois is interrogating Jonathan about it, he just says, well, dad left us here. And yeah, I'm just going to hang in my room. How Jordan Elsass played this was completely awesome, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, the, it was great, too. And I love the one line where, like, Lois is trying to figure out where this came from. And she's like, well, clearly. She goes, I, I forget exactly what she said, so I'm paraphrasing. But she's like, well, you clearly you didn't get it from your father. You got it from me. Yeah. And then Jordan came back, or Jonathan came back with, like, a one-liner that I was just like, oh, damn. I tell you, he he steals scenes when he's on. Uh-huh. They don't give him a lot of screen time because I know they've been focusing like he's the quote unquote cool brother, you know the the yeah. one that's popular yeah. at, at, at school, and you know obviously Jordan is such an outcast and you know and, and such that when he, Jordan or Jonathan gets time to talk, he usually drops a quick one liner. Oh yeah, that usually flies under a lot of radars. But I'm telling you what, Jordan Elsass is doing his thing on here. And when he gives that to Lois, you just see she's already stressed out enough that she now has a daughter that isn't hers, yep. but is hers. Yep. It's a weird scenario. Yep. She's not willing to deal with this. Clark is sitting there trying to deal with his head traumas and earthquakes that are now happening that he can't explain. Mm-hmm. So while he's trying to be the the perennial father figure, He's also trying to figure out why is this happening to the world and what's going on. Because I don't know. I was not the greatest science student when I was in school, but I do remember learning about fault lines and tectonic plates and all that. I don't remember it. And I even said this when I was watching the show. I don't remember a major fault line or, or whatever running through the state of Kansas. No, I did not either. So it's and like having been through Kansas myself on two occasions, uh, never ran into any earthquakes there. No. So this is very intriguing what's going on, but they did focus a lot on the family aspect because obviously Jordan is in there trying to figure out what's going on with Sarah. Yep. They do, he Clark does have the talk with his with his sons. Oh, uh, that was good. That only Tyler Holcomb could pull off. That was good. How if listen, you know, there's going to come a time where you're going to want to have these urges, but it's an adult decision. Yeah, you know, it's a commitment. There's there's consequences that can come from this. So really, listen, if you have any questions. You know, come to me or your mother about it. How old were you when you first did it? A lot older than you. Yeah. And they and they almost laughed. I'm like, listen, do you kids not realize how nerdy your father used to be? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a fun moment there. Yeah, yeah. And definitely handles a lot because to counterbalance, we get a lot from Elizabeth Tolick this episode. Like, yeah. I thought she had a great episode dealing with all the anxiety of what she is now going through. Yeah. And just really unloads it in the scene there that she's just venting just her you know just frustrations with everything i thought that this was probably one of the strongest points of the episode oh yeah and the, and the thing i noticed too was most of the scenes we saw in the trailer were from this episode yes which i was like oh i like that yeah because now that she's really just kind of opening up about what is going on with, i've been with going Natalie. i've been going through a lot and i've been dumping it all on you yeah like she's been arguing with clark a lot and, and like you you have to remember that this show is not so much a superhero show? Yeah. It's a family show. Yeah, and, and she's like, listen, I've been dumping on you a lot. i got a lot going on. And I'm like, you're talking to the man that, like, can be hanging out with breakfast in Kansas, hear a train getting ready to derail in France, and has to drop everything and go save it. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody who understands about burdens and dealing with a lot, it's him. Yeah, so they ultimately come to the resolution of bringing the Irons family back to live on the farm and yeah. really try to make the best of the situation. Yeah. And, and I think it's a smart move to do. And obviously, when you have visitors from another timeline, this is a great way to make uh-huh. sure that, you know, if if Clark is going to become in, Injustice Clark, 
Irons is going to go to stop him. Oh, yeah. If they're going to accept, like, this is not the reality, then they deserve to have their own destiny unfold in front of them. Yeah. And this is the way to do it. But the episode did not stop here. We do get another moment with Lieutenant Anderson. Uh-huh. And Clark has to go to the DOD. And when he shows up, he does see a few folks. Yep. Wearing... A certain symbol pad. Uh-huh. What is that symbol? It's the Superman S or the, the House of uh, L logo. Yeah. I think it's important to note that is it is not just the Superman S. It is the House of L logo. Yes. Because as they're having the debriefing, Lieutenant Anderson decides to just lay it out on the field. Well, because Superman runs into him before where he goes to investigate in the mines from season one mm. where they were where they were digging the X kryptonite or whatever the hell you called it. Yeah, yeah. It was called. And he saw them come out and take off, and he put two and two together. Yeah. So then he goes to visit the lieutenant. But, yeah, come to find out. Uh, and and hindsight, I should have seen this coming a mile away. You know, once you saw those superpowered individuals on screen, you know, Pandora's box got opened season one. Like, they figured out how to create superpowered individuals. So the DOD turned around and went and did it. Yeah, this was definitely a very, very interesting scene to see how Clark reacts because – they more or less portrayed Clark now as a weapon instead of an ally. Yeah. And basically said, well, if you're not going to do what we're going to do, we're just going to have our own team. Yeah. We, we can't trust you, so we got folks we can trust. You think they would watch Falcon and Winter Soldier and see how this failed with John Walker? I've been screaming this for years. You thought they'd watch The Boys and seen how this went with Homelander. Exactly. This is destined to fail, and Clark knows it too. Oh, yeah. he know, like, And I'm sitting there going, this is going to blow up in their face spectacularly and Clark's gonna have to bail their ass out and beat him. Yes. But unfortunately he's going to have a lot more to deal with because not only with the head traumas that they really touched upon, but didn't deep dive in. Yeah. Much, they, right? they alluded to it, but like they didn't go full into it. Right. There's also more earthquakes happening. Uh huh. And we do see that something is causing them miles underneath the surface. It was a real blink and you miss it kind of thing. Uh huh. And then the, the last shot of the show you see a fist punching through concrete. Uh-huh. Now, I'm speculating... And a lot of people are. It's Doomsday. Which would be fucking ballsy if you do that season two. I agree with you. You build up to that. You don't do season two with that. The, it's damn. A, damn. It's, you know, but I will applaud the show for doing this, though. If it is Doomsday, they have really taken to grasping the moment. Yeah, yeah. They've really said, okay, this show has to be a hit. This oh, yeah. show has to fill in the void from Arrow. Uh-huh. We need to get those casual Superman fans into this show. If we tried coming out with Villain of the Week, Aye. it wouldn't work. Early Smallville. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. Right. So what they're saying is, okay, we did Morgan Edge and the reveal there, which definitely play, fantastic it plays fantastic reveal and it makes sense to the superman mythos okay he doesn't have a rogues gallery a la batman well, he has a rogues gallery but just not one it's they're so storied and and well known that i don't think you can do one of them back to back to back to back you right know what I mean? it, well that's the problem because they're not in the same tier level no yeah, yeah. like i say because you can name off the superman you know trinity of villains so to speak yeah luthor brainiac doomsday yeah and then you throw in Zod, too. I mean, so technically yeah, four. Yeah. But there's only so much that you can do with the time that you're given. And I think the writers of the show understand that. That's why I'm thinking this might be Doomsday. Could be. 
Because you saw that the it looked like the suit with the fist on the hand. What if it's Bizarro? I'd mark out that one. Just, that, what if it's like some negative effect of the of the ex Kryptonite, you know, underground? What if it's Bizarro? Because that's they, a great theory. They've done Doomsday in films and TV. They've done Luthor. They've done Zod. They've, to my knowledge, they've never done Bizarro. Other than animated, no, no, they've done animated. I don't think they. I don't even think they went. And I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen this the show. I don't think they did Bizarro in Smallville. They had they had Clark not acting like himself, but that was as a result of Kryptonite. I don't think they. Man, if it's Bizarro, that'd be awesome. Did they do it on Superman and Lois? I'm um, not. Um, Adventures of Lois and Clark. Maybe I didn't see that show. All right, at, yeah, maybe at OD Parlay Hour. If you if you remember this, I. God, I want to say they might have. It's been forever since I watched that show. I Tyler Oakland's just completely eclipsed Dean Kane in my opinion as Superman, so I just don't even look back. But this is how they end the show with that mysterious fist coming through. So it does look like the Doomsday costume that was originally in the Death yeah. of Superman storyline. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. could be. And if it's them, I applaud them for going for the gold early. Because unless they're thinking this show isn't going to be on for a long stretch, which I mean, you never know with TV. Shame. Yeah, you never know with TV. I mean, that's the one thing that the audience is so fickle these days because there's so much streaming and there's so much superheroes on the services. It's tough to really nail that audience and really drive it home. But if they're going to go for the gold, man, this is one way to do it. Yeah, oh yeah. And especially they have not even gone near Luthor yet. No, which is his most storied villain. Oh, absolutely. I think they're they're playing the slow lead for that. Because, I mean, I'm expecting to see John Cryer show up at some point. I would hope so. I mean, he has to. It has to happen. But, nevertheless, uh-huh. final thoughts on this episode. Uh, great episode. Wasn't Like I said, wasn't a home run, but it was still a great episode. And I'm excited to see where they go this season. It's got, it's got, a, it's got a lot of potential, and it's got me even more excited now knowing that the trailer we saw was all from, like, the first episode. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I think there's a lot of potential for this season, especially with what they hid from us, which was... Doomsday, a Superman army. We got a lot going on that they did not dive too much into, which I like. And I do like the emotional touch that Elizabeth Tork had on this show. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she definitely was the MVP of this episode. Jordan Elsass definitely was runner-up because obviously the one-liners are something to keep track of when you watch them on screen. Because like I say, he doesn't get a lot of time on there because they've been focusing more on Jordan because Jordan's got the powers. But Jonathan Kent is still definitely making the most of his screen time on there. So much potential for the upcoming year. I can't wait to see what's happening for the season. So definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Superman and Lois came back in a big way. Season premiere dropped. Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub Podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. (laughs) Back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and coming out this week... Uh Uh-huh. Can you believe it's here already? Hard to believe. Man, January is loaded with new programming, and we are all here for it on the ODPH. But coming out January 13th on HBO Max is the long-awaited Suicide Squad spinoff show, Peacemaker. Uh Uh-huh. Now, this is coming off the James Gunn film that definitely revitalized the Suicide Squad franchise. 
And we have John Cena reprising his role as Peacemaker. Now, if you haven't seen the film, the easiest way to describe Peacemaker is mix Frank Castle with Steve Rogers and turn it up to 10. That is how you describe him because Mm -hmm. Peacemaker believes at getting peace at any cost. Literally any cost. Like, there is no feat that he will not sink to to get uh, peace done. Uh, Also, just checking, uh, if you haven't seen The Suicide Squad yet, and you should, uh, it is available on HBO Max. Uh, So if you haven't seen it, you can watch that before you watch the show. It's a good movie. It is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend the film. And we do see that he has a new team that he's working around with. Uh-huh. Steve Agee is on the show as John Economist, uh-huh. who is uh, belonging to the Bell River Penitentiary. Oh, I know that name. Yep. Daniel Brooks is playing Leody, uh-huh. who is another member of the team. Uh, Jennifer Holland is playing Amelia Harcourt, mm-hmm. who is an NSA agent. Okay. And the one that really threw me for a loop, uh-huh. and Pat, I want to see how much this threw you for a loop, Freddie Stroma uh-huh. is playing Vigilante. Uh-huh. Now, why do you think this is throwing me for a loop? Uh, it's throwing you for a loop because uh, you are probably looking at the IMDb page like I am and seeing the character's name he's playing him as. Yes. Yeah. And, and what character is that? Adrian Chase. And why is that a big deal? Because in the Arrowverse, Adrian Chase was the villain and uh, Vigilante was the name of John Diggle, Oliver's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, stuff going on with this that... Obviously, when they did Vigilante on Arrow, it was not the one that we're used to. Yes. Uh, they definitely had a great one with John Segura yeah. playing him. Uh, so if you haven't seen that season, that's a great season, too. Yeah. yeah. But now we're finally here. We saw the trailer. So I guess we can talk somewhat spoilers, but it's not really spoilers if it's a trailer, I don't think. No. And we kick off on the Red Band trailer. With John Cena's Peacemaker addressing a classroom of young children. Yeah. And he is basically saying the most not safe for work stuff possible. No, no, it's it's safe for work. You know, he's just, it, it's almost like a, you know, take your parent to work, to, to school day. You know, parent shows up, tells them what they do for a living, you know, all type of scenario. But I can't imagine this is the scenario. But, like, he got invited and he's telling them about his latest antics about how he saved the world and everything he did. And then he goes, all right, anybody got any questions? And little boy holds up his hand and goes, have you met Superman? Or not Superman, have you met Wonder Woman? And he goes, uh, no, but she was IFing me, and I'm quoting him, she was IFing me from across the room at a party. And another person, another adult there goes, dude. And he goes, what? I said effing. Yeah. So it's safe for work. He didn't swear. Is that kind of vibe, though, with the show? And you have to remember, this is James Gunn's universe. He uh-huh. is a producer on the show. This is just going to be absolutely out of control. He's not beholden to any sort of rating because this is on streaming. He can go as far as he wants, folks. Yeah, and I think for a character that's so as obscure as Peacemaker. and like, Very obscure. Let's be honest. When James Gunn had the playbook to put together the Suicide Squad, uh-huh. he took a lot of characters that were expendable, to say the least. Well, and he just wasn't limited to those, that cast of characters. DC literally told him, you can put anyone you want in this movie, you can kill whomever you want, we'll figure out the logistics later. Yes. So he really made Peacemaker into a notable character for being a joke for most of his career in, in DC Comics. And to see John Cena run with this character, and you see how that he has now been recruited on another Suicide Squad-esque team uh-huh. that we don't know a lot about. 
We just know that they have a mission to stop somebody. And I like how they kept it very vague. Too. Yeah, yeah. That there's just a mission. They got to win. And that's all we got from the trailer. And, that's how you do a trailer right. Oh, yeah. And for reasons unknown, he's literally the only person available. Yes. Except we do see the vigilante is there. Yeah. And I got to say, this is the most accurate costume I have seen for a DC character to date. Okay. If you've never seen the 1980s version of Vigilante, oh, it's spot on. Red goggles and all. I was marking out about this. And just to see how completely out of control this version of Adrian Chase is, is insane. And to see them playing off of each other, along with it seems like they have the more quote-unquote normal agents that we know about. What is normal? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Leota, who I assume is going to be the antagonist to John Cena's yeah. character on the team. Yeah. You can definitely tell, like, they are not meshing at all. No. Like, it's not even close to it's make like oil and water. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be anywhere near working together on a good level. Like, it's just going to fail completely. And as you see, he's just going through doing John Cena things. There's a lot of action going on, a lot of things blowing up, a lot of crazy humor that only you would find in a James Gunn film. And I like how they translated on the screen. Oh, yeah. Especially now you have him with a pet eagle. <laughs> that is just utter absurdity. Just At one point in the trailer, one of the guys, is the crew the group members, is trying to get into the car. He's apparently, I'm guessing, not going fast enough, so the pet eagle starts poking it in the ass. Yeah. You know, and he goes, ow, 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 what's wrong with your eagle? Yeah. And it's just one of those random moments you're just sitting there going like, what is going on? There's there's another shot in the trailer where it's like another, it's like an explosion type scene, and they're walking away, and if you look on the left-hand side of the screen, the eagle is fucking walking. Yeah. It's not flying in slow motion, it's walking on the ground in slow motion. Yeah. I mean... This is the type of stuff you're going to see with this show, and it has such a different vibe to it that obviously when we heard this was announced, we had no idea what to expect. No. And going into this premiere episode, I still don't know what to expect. I think that you're going to have so much that's thrown at you that is going to catch you completely off guard uh-huh. that this could be a surprise hit for a lot of people. And obviously, I think so. And obviously you know the Suicide Squad that was a hit. That was probably my favorite oh, yeah. comic book movie of the year. Oh, yeah. It was up there. Bar none. But to see how this cast is put together, too. And like I say, Amelia Hardcourt, I, I have no idea who this character is going to be. But you definitely see her fighting with John Cena a lot. Yep. Leota, I thought, was going to be an antagonist. And I think so, too, because I think there's more to her character than we know about. Probably. And that's how it's going to kind of mesh together. And then we don't really know about anybody else who's coming on the show, per no. se. And I like how everything's being kept very, very close to the vest. I don't think we'll see Waller. She'll get she'll get name dropped. I think. I think we'll get a Waller cameo. Oh, you think we'll see Viola? I think we'll see a cameo by the time it's all said and done. It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, you know, right now I don't think so. I think we'll get a name drop, just like you know, all the reason the NSA agent is there is because all oh, this isn't high bar enough for Waller's attention. Like you know, all this this isn't worth my time or effort. You know, delegate down type of scenario. Like it just got delegated to the NSA agent. It could be, but this also opens the door for a lot of possibilities. 
This show should be a hit. I mean, John Cena's name is attached to the show. He's one of the bigger names in Hollywood right now. I feel bad for the dude's wife because he has just been embodying this character off and on now. But since the film was ready to come out, where like he was doing press in the costume, he was showing up to everything. Like there was a joke when he because when the movie was getting ready to come out, he was back on WWE television. Mm-hmm. That like there was a joke made about him living in the Peacemaker costume. He intros the Red Band trailer as, hi, I'm Peacemaker, playing Peacemaker in the show Peacemaker. I almost feel bad for his wife because living with him while this whole thing is going on has got to be, all right, enough, I know, you're Peacemaker, you can stop now. Yeah, but this is where he can really run with this, because if he has a monster hit with this, and I feel it's going to be, this could open the door for more characters to get on HBO Max. I'd be all for it. And I think so, too. Not saying James Gunn's going to be connected to everybody. No. But I think when you're looking at the transition period that you have now from the Snyderverse, uh-huh. that you had something that came out that was completely different, it was fun, it was over the top, it was yeah. not safe for work, but that's yeah. what James Gunn does. Yeah. You now have a window to really do some great things with DC characters. Well, and just look at, and I know DC, some DC, hardcore DC fans might get pissed at me, look at what it's done for Marvel mm-hmm. and, and Disney+. Plus that like. Marvel and Disney have taken some characters and stories that are important, but not necessarily warranting an hour and 45, two and a half hour movie. Right. And putting it out on the television. And all of them have been received spectacularly. Mm -hmm. There's still obviously a platform and a place for DC films, but there's a plethora of characters that if you get the right folks to play those characters, to write the episodes, to direct the episodes, that you that like all right we don't think insert random character here i don't they don't think it's worth a two and a half hour movie but you know what why don't we give it a seven eight episode season on hbo max there's there's space for it and i think that is a great way to look at things too because obviously they've had a lot of success on hbo max oh yeah titans has been a lot better since it's now fully on hbo max Doom Patrol is Doom Patrol. It's one of the best shows on streaming slash TV bar none. And now you're getting another addition to the plethora of talent that you can work with from DC because Peacemaker is coming, obviously, this week. Yep. We do know, last I heard, the Green Lantern show is still in effect. Yeah, that's still being worked on. We've also got the uh, Penguin show coming out, spinoff of the Batman uh, movie. Right. Strange Adventures, I think, has cooled off a little bit. I haven't heard too much from that from the initial HBO no, release. No, But if these shows start picking up steam, a la Disney+, and listen, there's enough room in the sandbox for everybody to play together. Oh, hell yeah. Just don't release on the same damn day. Yeah. I think that there is going to be a market for DC to really run and get some characters going, and that only helps the books, that helps the movies. It's a win-win for everybody, because like you touched upon, with Marvel doing what they do with Disney+, Plus, they have now opened up a lot more doors for characters to get interested. Because would you have told me a year ago that we're going to have an Agatha Harkness show, and anybody really care? Uh, no, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. So now you have that door open here with Disney Plus, or with HBO Max, Especially with Peacemaker, who, honestly, why are we having this show yeah. other than John Cena's charisma carried this character into a spinoff? Well, I think the spinoff got announced before the, even before even the movie came out. Right, but I think that they were seeing what he was doing with this character and said, we got to keep going. Yeah. And obviously, looking at what Peacemaker is now doing in the comics, who's got a raised profile in DC, uh-huh. this can only be a win-win because now... 
coming out of the streaming numbers from this, and I'm assuming, like I say, I can't stress this enough, I think this is going to be a big hit. We won't know numbers, but you'll hear. You'll hear enough about either an early renewal or some news coming out of this. Yeah, yeah. I think that DC is looking on having a big win for 2022. And obviously can get the ball rolling for some other characters that you'd be like, hmm, I don't know how this would go. Like, not saying that everything would be a Peacemaker, James Gunn product. No. But you have to think about all the characters that they have that have been tied up and developmental that have never yeah. gotten really off the ground. Yeah, yeah. You can think of there's a way to do a Justice League Dark type show on Oh, here. yeah. I know J.J. Abrams is still supposed to have that production deal. Yep. There, This is going to be the show that really kind of sets that benchmark and sets the pace card because if the fan base turns out for this, they're going to be asking for more. And I'm not saying this is going to be like the Snyderverse and obviously right. God, I hope not. how that got very toxic in a hurry. But I think if the fans are very vocal that they want to see more DC shows on HBO Max, HBO Max is going to be more prone to acknowledge it and make it happen. Yeah. And that's a win for them because in this day and age of streaming, everybody's looking for more content. Uh-huh. And I think that for everybody that thought that we were going to have burnout from the superhero shows... It's not happened because the shows have been good. Oh, yeah. Like, if there was a uh, stream or a a group of shows that, like, it just started sucking, then yes. But they've all been fantastic. Yeah, because everybody's really taking the time to build them up and run with them. I mean, if you think about it, has every show been a hit? No. No. I mean, we talk Iron Fist all the time. Yeah. You know, you think about for DC, season one of Titans wasn't exactly a home run. It was better than the trailer let everybody think. Right. Worst trailer of all time, in my opinion. But this is where shows are now getting picked up, characters are getting picked up, and it's a win-win situation that we're going to have to wait to see how this all shakes up on Friday. Final thoughts on Peacemaker, Pat. Uh, Super excited for the show to drop uh, this week. Um, I need more Suicide Squad spinoff stuff in my life, so I'm excited to see it. Uh, If you don't get enough of that, they are putting out, it turns out, a video podcast that will also be available in audio form. Uh, from the fo- with the help of the folks over at Rooster Teeth. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, so uh, it is uh, titled Podly, a series recapping Peacemaker episodes. Uh, you can watch it on HBO Max and then the uh, official YouTube channels for both DC and HBO Max on the day the episodes come out. Uh, the audio versions will be available on Apple po- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then other major platforms. Uh, you will have appearances from uh, cast members and creatives along with both James Gunn and John Cena. Uh, on the podcast, recapping the uh, each episode each week. I'm super excited for that. We'll be recapping each episode each week on here because this show has got so much potential. I don't see how it can it can fail. John Cena is going to bring some folks in to the DC universe uh-huh. if he hasn't already. But you have to think with Suicide Squad, he was featured so prominently. Yeah, they know what they have with him at Warner. They're going to run with him now to say that they're going to lock in stock a whole Peacemaker universe right. you know, led team. Probably not, but this show definitely has shown that there is a market for this character. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the banter that went back and forth between him and Vigilante. I know we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that, but during the torture scene. Oh, God, yeah. Where Vigilante's hooked up to, like, a car battery. Yeah, and and he's getting electrocuted, and Cena goes, I'm not giving up anything. Yeah. Like, how this is coming across is it's so over the top, it works. And this day and age, with the boys being such a hit, you know there's an audience for it. Right. And nobody's getting tired of it. No. We're going to be super excited to talk about it on Friday. And definitely, if you haven't been checking out the Suicide Squad movie, can't stress enough, go watch that first, enjoy it, and then jump right into the show when it drops on Friday. Because we gave you our thoughts. 
Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Are you ready for Peacemaker on HBO Max January 13th? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which caught me by surprise, and I think caught the entire world by surprise, because who the shit saw this coming? Uh, it was announced uh, just the other day, and I'm reading from an article on abcnews.go.com. Uh, quote, Take-Two Interactive uh, is buying Zynga, maker of Farmville and Words with Friends, in a cash and stock deal valued at about $12.7 billion. How much? 12.7. Uh, the acquisition would bring together a powerhouse in console gaming, Take-Two with a mobile gaming company focused on phones and tablets. Uh, Zynga shareholders will receive $3.50 in cash and $6.36 in shares in Take-Two common stock for each share of Zynga outstanding stock at closing. The transaction is valued at $9.86 per share of Zynga common stock. Quote, the strategic combination brings together our best-in-class console and PC franchises with a marketing, market-leading, diversified mobile publishing platform that has a rich history of innovation and creativity. Take-Two Chairman and CEO Strauss Zelnick said in a prepared statement, he will retain those titles when the companies, two companies become one. Uh, so, in case you don't know, the folks over at Take-Two Interactive, it's a, it's a powerhouse uh, p- uh, company uh, who owns... Just to name a few studios, they own uh, 2K Games, Private Division, uh, and then also Rockstar Games. Now, 2K Games, you might have heard of. They make the the, uh, NBA 2K series. They make as well the uh, Borderlands games, the Bioshock series, the Sid Meier Civilization series, the Mafia series, the PGA Tour 2K series, the WWE 2K series, the XCOM series. So if you have, if you go to your local video game store or GameStop or wherever you get video games, and you see a little 2K in the bottom left hand corner of the of the mm-hmm. uh, box, I own a few myself. They're 2K games owned by uh, Take Two. Uh, Private Division, you might not have heard of, but they uh, helped put out the game The Outer Worlds, uh, which was done developed by the folks over at Obsidian. Uh, And then Rockstar Games. I mean, what more do I need to say? Grand Theft Auto. uh, Goats. Bully. L.A. Noir. Red Dead. Manhunt. Max Payne. Midnight Club. You know, so you add in this fact and the fact that so there's already been talk and rumors that you might get ports of some of the G... GTA 5 and Red Dead stuff and even get a Midnight Club revival, which I haven't seen a Midnight Club game in Lord knows how long. Yeah, I was going to say it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute, but yeah, no, so that definitely caught me by surprise. The fact that Take-Two, who owns Grand Theft Auto, also own, is now soon going to own the same company that made Farmville. That is so weird. And I'll be honest, I didn't know Zynga was still around. I didn't think they went out of business, but I thought they were just kind of like, a lot smaller than they used to be, just because yeah. Zynga at its height, I, for what I remember, was the Facebook days of Farmville and Mafia Wars, and just all those games you used to be able to play on Facebook, and not really so much anymore, you know. But hey, it should be very interesting to see what comes out of that deal down the road. 
I'm still trying to wrap my head around how much. $12.7 billion. Jesus, so Mary and Joseph, that's a lot of cash. A lot of cash. Interesting to see how the fallout is for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we got a very, 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 very interesting addition to the uh, Batman Cape Crusader uh, upcoming. This is the upcoming animated series that is going to be on HBO Max, which is bringing together uh, Matt Reeves and J.J. Uh, Abrams. Uh, you've also got Legends Bruce Tim and James Tucker working on it. But there's uh, one more notable name being added to the roster. Who might that be, you ask? Ed Brubaker. Oh, it's not that you needed to take any more money from me, but I'm here. Yeah. Well, I'm here. So reading from an article courtesy of Nerdist.com, uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter, he'll be Tim's right hand. He'll also be co-executive producer on the show, which will consist of 10 episodes. In a statement about joining Batman Caped Crusader, Brubaker said, Here's something few people know. The original Batman the Animated Series was one of the things that made me want to write superhero comics. And Batman in particular, if not for what Bruce Timm and all the talented writers and artists did with that show, things like my revamp of Catwoman with Darwin Cook and Gotham Central with Greg Rucka and Michael Lark would never have happened, close quote. Uh, listen, I was already sold on the goddamn show. Bruce Tim is an absolute legend, and I will not hear any slander saying otherwise. Facts. J.J. Abrams is a legend in his own right. Matt Reeves, personally, jury's still out. I got to see the movie, but I'm sure he's a fine individual. But the fact that you add Ed Brubaker, who is a great uh, comic book person in his own right, yo, this show's going to be insane. This show is so stacked, I can't see it failing on any level. And Matt Reeves, like, listen, if you need a confirmation planet of the apes franchise oh that's right yeah he's good yeah that's that's literally all you need to see uh, he does fantastic stuff i'm already sold on this but the fact they got brubaker who's all if you've never read his writing yeah holy jesus do, oh, do yourself a, so good do yourself a favor like hit those comic shops and go yeah i need to get caught up on that brubaker stuff watch the reaction just watch it it'll be worth it oh yeah hands down all right so for my one shots Got to talk a little more DC TV. Because not only did we get Superman and Lois on the CW, we got a show that flew under the radar okay. for a lot of people. Okay. And that was Naomi. Now, we have known about this show because there's a book, obviously, that was written by Brian Michael Bendis when he came over from uh, Marvel from DC to DC, rather. Okay. So, Ava DuVernay, yes, that Ava DuVernay is behind the development of the show. This at premiere episode was Excellent. I got to say, I wasn't sure what to really expect, but this show delivered. I was super excited about what I saw from this. Casey Waffle, who okay. plays Naomi, she did a great job because Naomi is kind of a little tricky character, and I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't read the books. But she's basically a teenager, super obsessed with Superman, and she runs, I believe, is the third uh, most popular Superman website on the net. Uh-huh. So it's like a fanzine almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she is going to find out about Superman is like in her town, she passes out on the way going there. And then she's piecing together what has happened because the town is just talking about, okay, why was Superman there? Was he fighting? And it just right. kind of unfolds from there, and you're digging more into her background. And it goes into a lot of different directions that if you haven't read the comic, you wouldn't know about. But – for me, who is not very up-to-date about Naomi as a character, I was very impressed. I left this going, I loved how they shot the episode. They did mm -hmm. some very cool camera work. Yeah. Especially at one point she's interrogating people that were at the event. Okay. 
and they do like these extreme close-ups on them. Right. And it's almost like the first person, like I'm talking to you as I'm yeah, sitting yeah, across yeah. from you from the table here. They did some really cool stuff like that. They left you with a very cool cliffhanger. I'm not going to spoil it, but let me just say this. I'm locked and loaded for next week. That's how much I was I was impressed by this show. And I'm definitely saying if you haven't caught the premiere episode, make a point to catch up on it. Because I really got good feelings about this show. I really do. After this first episode, I'm like, definitely go like this is gonna be a big hit for him. All right. I feel. So DC coming back very, very strong. Batwoman is premiering tonight as well. Nice. There can we just say their shows really kind of flew under the radar for like announcements for when they're coming back. Yeah, I would say so. I hadn't really heard anything and I hadn't really seen any promotion on cuz normally when they announce premieres or like they're getting ready to come back, you would see it shared from all of their like show pages. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen that. No, they definitely just did like a couple posts here and there, but uh, we were getting hit up on Twitter last night by people going, "Wait, they're back?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that is such a bad That's look." That's not good. That's a bad look in my opinion. So just letting everybody know now, if you're still watching the CW shows, they are coming back with the exception of Flash. That is not due back until April, I believe. Something like that, yeah. March, April. So it's got, it's got some more time on it. But the rest of the DC lineup is back, though. March, March 9th for the Flash. Oh, it is March. I keep thinking April for some reason. It's understandable. But well, definitely locked and loaded on that. Legends of Tomorrow comes back uh, with uh, Batwoman. Right. So... If you're a fan of those shows, definitely want to go check it out. Batwoman, I'm super excited to check out. I thought they ended last season very, very strong. Legends, I knew was coming back, but that was because they advertised it during Superman and Lost last night. Yeah, that was the only reason I. That, knew that's the only back. reason I knew that. I know I, I've fallen so far off Legends. It's 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 bad, but it, you know, in my opinion, I watch what I like to watch. Yeah, Legends has just not connected with me in a while. Like I try going back every now and then to like see if they recapture the magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but in my opinion, it just hasn't done it. But speaking of one show that recaptured the magic, I know you don't watch this franchise pad, but Dexter oh, yeah. New Blood. Yeah. And some people may go, What? You don't watch it? Listen, I didn't have the the network or the subscription network it was on. It's that simple. It is, but I will say this. For a show that ended so badly <laughs> with season eight. There aren't enough like many documentaries about that final season, just the fan reception. Yeah, it's 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 the worst one ever. I there's no debate. I mean, you can hit me up and say about a worse one at OD Parlay Hour. I will answer that. But I'm going to tell you right now, Game of Thrones final season, Dexter was worse. Okay, I'll tell. I'll, having not way seen, worse. Having not seen it, and I know you've seen both. I'll take your word for it. Oh my god, yeah, this the ending was egregious, and that is the nicest thing I can say about that. However, though. When Dexter New Blood came back, a lot of hype behind it because obviously when you're having everybody's favorite serial killer come back, you there's a little bar to say, okay, can you do better than how you left? Obviously, they did a good job with it. I'm going to keep the spoiler free, but Michael C. Hall reprised his role as Dexter Morgan. We had Jennifer Carpenter reprise her role as Deborah Morgan, albeit though as the angel slash devil on Dexter's shoulder because obviously his uh, birth or his adopted father is no longer there. Right. And where we kind of spawned out is after faking his death in season eight, he winds up in a small town in upstate New York. Okay. Like we're talking Adirondacks area. Okay. Yeah. 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 And his whole stick has been, He's a serial killer who kills 
serial killers and bad people. Like he goes through the investigation process and this is how he handles his quote unquote dark passenger mm. that he has these urges. And like, it's a very complex show that at one point was the best show on cable. Right. Up to season four. Trinity season was the best one after. After that, it was, it was, it was dicey. And then season eight is just hot garbage. So now we have him removed from that show. I want to say it's been about 10 years. Okay. Give take. And he's now started life anew, and he has a reason he gets brought back into the fold. And how it just spirals out of control. They tie enough back into the original series. They've now introduced that his uh, son has now grown up a lot. Jack Alcott is playing his son Harrison. And to see how they have now grown as characters, yet are doing the same issues that they had before... They put a nice spin on it. Okay. The main villain of the season was played by Clancy Brown. Oh, okay. He was fantastic. The supporting cast, Julia Jones as uh, Police Chief Angela Bishop, she was great. And they had such a unique dynamic while paying homage to the previous seasons. And how it all unfolded. It was one of the better endings you'll see. Not saying it's Breaking Bad level, but I left this watching and I went, okay, we can finally put this to bed. The show is done. No need to see another season unless they want to because they did leave a couple plot holes they could do. Sure. But they ended it on a very, very strong note that there is no question about the direction of the series moving forward and the character. Super happy with how this came out. So if you have not seen this season, I'm going to say now is the time to binge watch it. It's only 10 episodes, about an hour each one. It is worth the time. Even if you don't know the previous seasons, you can jump in a little cold. You might take a second here and there to figure everything out, but it will catch up quick. And by the time they hit about like episode five, oh man, things get really interesting. They get a little crazy here and there. Uh, there is a little teenage drama here, though. you, you got to remember his son is now a teenager. But the strong acting done by Hall, Carpenter, and Brown carry this show. And you're not going to be disappointed if you check it out. So I give a recommendation after you watch all the other shows we've talked to here on the ODPH this weekend. Make a point to go catch up on Dexter New Blood. It's very, very worth the time. So we got to talk a little comic shops before we head out of here. And some news at the X-Men front. Okay. So at Marvel.com, they're doing now the hashtag X-Men vote. Yeah. So you get to vote the latest member onto the team. Oh, okay. So, so it's a fun thing. They did this last year in Polaris one. Right, right, right. Season, right. Uh, I mean, there's so many X-Books going on. Like that. say, I'm starting to get brain fried from it. But this year's class, definitely interesting to see. Armor is one of the nominees. Ooh, okay. Avalanche. Bling. Firestar, that's my pick. I'd have to agree with that, yeah. Uh, gentle. Gorgon. Gorgon is crazy. I can't believe he's still around, actually. Micromax, Penance, and Siren, and uh. Surge. So definitely a, a good class to pick from here. And, it, you know, it's, it, it throws me off a little bit seeing Penance on here. I'm not going to lie. But this is a very, very solid group to pick from. Like I said, Firestar is my pick. I've always been a big fan of hers ever since the Spider-Man and Amazing Friend days. So, if you want to make your vote known, marvel.com, and the link is right there on the first page as you open up. Uh, at the comic shops, though, got to plug 
Mighty Morphin number 15. Okay. Did parlay points on it this week. If you have not read the Altarian War yet, I honestly don't know what to tell you. Ryan Parrott and Marco Renna have been doing some amazing work on this book. It is absolutely wild. Pad, you're not the biggest Power Rangers guy, right? Used to be. Not anymore, though. Okay, just take a look at this cover. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then we go right into this crazy fighting scenes. And the background story that Parrot's been doing, building this story up, has been just incredible. I'm a super fan of this. I have no problem talking about this in places. I'm getting stopped now by people asking, yo, what do you think about the Altarian War? Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming and I have been having a long chat thread about this as well, too. The book is worth picking up. If you haven't started, I'm going to tell you, go back. Just get the line of it. It's one of the best stories in comics right now. You definitely want to make sure you add it to your collection. And, obviously, last week we had Ryan on along with Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom talking super massive. And the show is phenomenal. Thank you to everybody who has downloaded and listened to it. Got a lot of positive feedback. To clarify, because there was a little question about when the book was dropping, Supermassive, according to ImageComics.com, is dropping February 16th. Okay. Rogue Sun number one is dropping February 23rd. Ah. So make sure as you're going to your LCSs this week or wherever you're purchasing comics from, get these books in your pull list. Don't miss out on them. Like I say, according to Image, they're dropping... February 16th and 23rd, respectively. We're going to have a lot to say about the books when they come out. I'm super amped up to check them out. So we definitely, definitely are recommending them to you. As I am also recommending, this weekend, we had to do a little rescheduling, Pad. Okay. Shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne, from Cheers to Comics. He was a little under the weather this week. Ah. So he made a, a public post about it as well. We are doing the Cheersies. This weekend, Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, he will be having the stream link up on Cheers to Comics, and we're going to see where we can share it as well. Definitely super excited to put a final stamp on 2021 at the comics uh, extravaganza that is the Cheersies. And obviously, Brian and I got a lot to say about the books this year. Wow, that's good. Yeah, so... Uh, you said the over-under was four hours. I did mention that to him. He took the over as well. Uh, that's probably a safe bet. We're drinking a lot of coffee, having a lot of good times. We hope you tune in and definitely make sure you are supporting your LCSs as well as your favorite independent comic podcasts. So, Pat, all that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a shout at the robots. They're super big comic fans. We should get Julian on here to talk some comics sometime. Yeah. He's got a lot to say about that. But, Pat, where do I go if I want to find out about Shout? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf, who did send us that brand new single. We're waiting till next week to play it, folks. We, don't, we He has a big party down in Austin this week for the release of it. We're not going to upstage him. We're going to play it next week. So definitely stay tuned for that. Also, check out Tom Jolo, Yard Party, Second Suitor, Floodlands, all the amazing groups you hear on the ODPH. We like to support them. They support us. That's how it works. All of them fantastic people. Definitely go check them out. Also, check out the directory, which has the ODPH on your favorite podcast provider. How many are we up to now, Pat? Uh, Like 15,000. And three. So if you want to find the ODPH and you're going, hey, I listen to it on Spotify. Where do I go? Boom, the link is right there. I listen to them on Apple Podcasts. Where do I go? Boom, the link is right there. All the players you need are right there. And if we're not on there, let us know and we'll see about getting that fixed for you. That's how we do. We are here for you, folks, and we appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Also, you're on the website. Check out the classifieds, which has organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. 
all the amazing pod groups we are in via pod chaser pages. Also, 8122productions.com, friends of the show. The T Public store is there. Parlay points, all of that, and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. And a special shout out to our guy, Rich from 3FN. It's his birthday this weekend. Hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Rich. We'll definitely be talking to you, obviously, sooner than later. And obviously, during some game changer wrestling this Saturday, as well as watching the Bills versus the Patriots. Enough said there. All of that, so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. Gotta reiterate that as we're giving the birthday wishes out. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.